You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to participate, if you'd like to uh, call in or whatever, the phone number here is 608-501-0718. I do this every day, and I can't remember how it goes. But uh, again, that's 608-501-0718. Just go ahead and leave a message, and we'll talk about it. We don't have any new callers, so we're going to start off with uh, Jacob. What's up, Packernet? Calling in after this. Uh, Denver Broncos lost. Yeah, man. Um, honestly, I'm not even that upset about it. Um, I guess, in brief, I encourage all Packers fans, as sour as it may be, let's just exhibit some maturity this year. We kind of, I think we all kind of knew in the back of our minds that, like, we had to punt on this year to a certain degree. And And I think potentially some of the issues are that that wasn't what happened. And I, I do think as we transition, it might start to calm down. I don't know. I haven't seen just a full-blown, terrible Packers season, like, ever um, in my entire life. <laughs> so, like, if we end up with a top five, top three, number one pick or whatever, uh, yeah, it's going to get it's gonna get uh, interesting to see how it plays out. But remember when we were predicting the the record and we had people call in? The average was probably 10 to 11 wins. Now, maybe that's just optimism and having fun and whatever, but I think it's entirely possible that there really were high expectations, and that's where a lot of this just pure vitriol is coming from. A genuine belief that we've got the right coach, the right play caller, the right quarterback, good wide receivers, good offensive line, you know, talented defense that, you know, I think there was relatively low expectations, but, you know, enough high expectations that this was going to be a pretty good year. And maybe that's where a lot of the anger is coming from. But I agree that at some point we got to pivot, you know, where we can talk about it, but we got to, we can't just sit here and be pissed all the time. And we got to figure out what that looks like. Cause I'm not entirely sure when things are always bad, what else do you do? I don't know. We'll have to explore that. Call in with some thoughts. Um, we just kind of had to with the, with the all in Rogers years. Um, I think, I think Ryan's probably going to enjoy this year more than like, the previous years because we're actually going to have a good draft pick this year, <laughs> so we're probably going to get a pretty sweet prospect. But let's exhibit some maturity. Um, Love's going to be the starter next year. Please don't panic. Um, if he stinks next year, then they'll pull the plug on him, but they're going to give him next year too. Uh, so let's just be mature. Um, get ready for probably top whatever left tackle to be our pick next year. Sorry, Rashid Walker. You're going to be out of there, pal. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, not as angry <laughs> as I probably should be. Um, go Pack. Let's just be mature. Remember, a lot of ball game left, uh, a lot of seasons left. Let's just be mature. Yeah, and not only was I not necessarily very upset when we lost this game, but I wasn't upset when the Vikings beat the 49ers, to be completely honest with you. I'm not saying I was rooting for the Vikings because I wasn't. It's one of those where you, you can you can be mad either way, you can be happy either way. When I I didn't even find out. I, I saw that the uh, Vikings were winning, looked like the 49ers were about to come back. I went to bed and um, 
I talked to my son who got up bright and early in the morning. He, he's dad pack or the, uh, the Vikings one. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, Vikings one. Of course he wanted to check his fantasy football points because he is beyond obsessed. He was going to win. He has Christian McCaffrey on his team, which I mean, he's doing well as a result. Um, but he was going to win no matter. He was up by 80 points, and he was panicked. Like, what if Christian McCaffrey doesn't? I'm like, it doesn't matter, bro. You're going to win. He's like, yeah, but he has two players. What if McCaffrey doesn't? Like, it doesn't matter. So then McCaffrey plays, and he's still like, every every time his guy gets a yard, let's check the points. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's good. This is what I wanted, but it's, he is, he is into it for sure. But it just, it just didn't bother me, you know? I mean, the bottom line is the Vikings are not good. The, the, um... The Bears are not good. The Lions are good, but I don't think they're necessarily upper echelon. And we saw that when they actually went up against a playoff team like the Baltimore Ravens and didn't just get beat. They got whooped on. And so I think there's still going to be a wall. They're, they're going to crack the wall. They're going to win the division. They're going to get into the playoffs and congratulations. But I think they're going to be humbled when they get there. Um, anyway, things can change. They could really turn on the afterburners. It looks like the 49ers are falling off. I don't know what their deal is. So who knows? Crazy stuff can happen. But as it stands right now, that's kind of where it is. So I'm just, I'm not super worried about it. And yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I know people get ticked off, but I do look to the future. That's one of the things I like to do in general, even when things are good. I like thinking about and planning about like, how could we be a true powerhouse? What can we do? How can we add da, 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 da. And so, yeah, looking at it and saying, good. I don't, I mean, if the Vikings win, that pulls them out of contention for a quarterback, which is a serious concern of mine that you, I mean, I, I think Kirk Cousins is a pretty good quarterback, but you put a truly legit elite quarterback with Justin Jefferson, and I'm starting to have freaking heart palpitations. And as far as uh, Jordan Love, you know, I came into this season saying there's almost no chance that Jordan doesn't get a second year. I'm at the point now where if we end up with a top three pick, let's say, and it depends on the Packers evaluation. They may love five quarterbacks. They might just like one, and if we don't get them, they're not, they're not going to do it. I don't think they're going to panic pick a quarterback, but you also have to understand they're not going to have a lot of opportunities to be picking this high. And so if there is even a a solid quarterback prospect, you know, you got like a Justin Herbert type player where it's like he's pretty good, like he's he's a top 10, maybe not number one overall, but he's a top 10 guy. It's hard to not pull the trigger because who knows, next year you might be able to figure things out a little bit better and Jordan Love still isn't the guy, but now you're picking 15 in a weak quarterback class. I'm just saying it's it's... I would say it's irresponsible to rule it out, but I also think there's a possibility we're picking at like seven and they like two quarterbacks and, you know, they would like to give Jordan Love another chance, but they also, it's not a necessity. And so they're like, all right, let's go get the tackle, like you said, or whatever, or let's get a premier wide receiver. It looks like there's going to be a bunch of those and let's see what we can do. And if that's the case, fair enough. I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw a fit, but remember the team that got Jordan Love got Jordan Love because this team understands maybe more than anybody else that there's nothing more important than quarterback. And so assuming that they wouldn't take a premier quarterback in the draft if it falls into their lap, I think is a unsafe assumption would be my thought on it. Hey, Ryan! Hey. How the heck are you? I'm hecking good. This is your good friend, Nico. What's up, um, Hey, I don't, uh, I don't know if you need me to tell my autopsy story again, because <laughs> uh, I, I will. No, I, mean, I will it's tell fine. it again. So a little bit like last week, you know, we just, not hard to watch. Uh, what, what can you say? Uh, I'll focus on a couple good things. All right. Let's do I it. like the fact that uh, Luke Musgrave, you know, got speared in the face and stood up and yelled at the guy. Seriously, I thought he was dead. 
Like I, I, I did not think he was getting up, and he just got right up and snapped on him. So I thought that was pretty dope too. You know, uh, and uh, Slate and the boys are talking about if that's a bad hit or not. Yes, it was a bad hit. Anytime you lower your head, it's bad. I mean, I, it's not a new thing. I no. played football in the '80s and '90s, and they said, "Don't put your head down." One, you could hurt your own neck, and two, you're going to miss the tackle. And you could hurt the other guy, too. But we didn't care about that as much back then. <laughs> but still, you're going to tackle or break your neck. So a little bit bummed about uh, our uh, So he took a big hit. I liked how he had some fire. Quay Walker shot the gap a few times. Yeah. was disruptive. I like seeing him in the backfield. And I, I think there's probably going to be some, some negatives that come along with that. But, you know, my biggest issue all last year and at the start of this year, I haven't been watching defense because offense has been the biggest issue and I'm just focusing on one side. Tomorrow we do do a review of the first half just so you're aware of the offense. Then the day after we'll do the second half. But um, when I did watch a lot of the defense, that was my biggest thing is they just stand there and they just kind of wait and they wait to see where you go. And then we're going to try to make a tackle, even though we probably got an offensive lineman coming up and reaching me making it hard or, in some cases, impossible, so I'm kind of useless. Um, so I haven't been watching exactly how these things develop, but I'll see a tackle in the backfield, and I see Quay on top of him. I'm like, wait a minute, what are you doing back there? I thought your job was to just go stand over there and wait. So I am happy to see that. I know he missed that one tackle, but that was just, you know, yep. just, I don't know why he's grabbing around his head. You grab around the waist and you twist, you know, so you do. Yeah. Do the twist. Um... Uh, what's his face? Come on, baby. Wyatt. He was kind of... Let's do the Kind of like... Seemed to be everywhere. And then he got hurt. So that's a bummer. Yep. Apparently, we like to get hurt a lot. So, I, I don't know. I, it's like the exact attitude I took. Like, well, I guess we're all hurt. So, that sucks. Well, do you, I mean, you can't complain about... I, I, you know, people complain about trainers. What they, trainers do what they can do, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, that you can maybe blame some things on trainers. But a dude busting his knee in the middle of a play. I mean, that's got nothing to do with trainers. The only thing you'd maybe look at is, like, hamstrings, but I don't know, man. I mean, there's so much. The thing is, like, you can make an accusation, and that's fine, but then you got to, like, try to set out to prove it and look at data, and nobody wants to take that second step. It's like everybody wants to be a scientist, and they're just kind of, like, more like philosophers, you know? They just kind of... I'm probably being unfair to philosophers, but they want to just sit around and think about theories, and they're like, well, what if this is the case? And then as a scientist, you would try to set out to prove or, or essentially disprove it. And if you can't, then it's like, all right, we got a, a pretty good theory here. But nobody wants to even do that. Like, okay, so what would we need to do to demonstrate that it's the trainers? Other than correlation or, or a, a increase in injuries, which is going to happen at times. You're going to have times where there's more injuries, and then there's going to be times where there's a lot less injuries. What are we doing differently? Do we have a new training staff? That might be something to keep an eye on. If we don't, then that's kind of a knock against you because it's the same training staff that the Packers had when we had lower injuries than normal. What is our injury rate to compare to everybody else? What are the kinds of injuries? What what can the training staff do to mitigate these kind or which ones can they mitigate and which ones do they have nothing to do with? Try, you know what I mean? Like it's it's a big process for all these questions. There's usually a lot of work involved to try to get down to the part where we actually can say whether it makes the most sense or whether it really doesn't make sense and i mean nobody's doing that work they just want to blame the training staff um and it's like that for everything we everybody we blame it's just we just kind of pick something 
you know, and it we pick probably what makes the most sense off the top of our heads, but we don't really go any deeper than that. Uh, that's just a freak thing that happens, and that happens to every team. One thing I will say about the Packers, and I think it gets overlooked, is we do bring the best out of everyone we play, and that should you know that should count for something. You're <laughs> yeah. a bad running team, well, you just you just play up. The lottery. You can run the ball. You can't stop the run. Yeah. You're giving up six yards of carry. Well, I tell you what, you just play up, and uh, you'll stop the run pretty good. Uh, so yeah, you know it's just kind of a dumpster fire. Uh, but you know, I don't, I don't just love the Packers. I like football, so I'll still watch. You know, I, I can watch two AAA ball clubs play and get all excited and be stoked at the one that I ended up picking one. And my wife's like, "Do you even know that team?" I don't know. They're purple and they're green, you know. And I just went for the green ones naturally. But uh, so yeah, just you know, is it coaching? That could be. Is it execution? Of course. Is it that Matt can only do so much with what he's got? You know, is he? If he's trying to drive a Ferrari and he's only got a pinto, I don't know. Just so much stuff. Oh, yeah. And that's that's one of the things that I kind of looked at tomorrow because you look at it and there's there are issues. Um, but the issue from my perspective is not schematic. The issue is execution. Now, that doesn't mean the quarter the, the coach is not to blame. But it just means that the coach, if he is to blame, is to blame for the fact that these guys are not prepared. That every single play, you've got guys just completely making mistakes. Now, sometimes you just can't execute, but sometimes guys just don't know what they're doing or their technique is terrible. These, th- This is your job as a coaching staff. So, look, if, if and this is what I said in the podcast tomorrow, essentially, you know, if Rasheed Walker just can't do it, he's just not a good enough tackle, then you live with that. And you just say, you know what, that's Gutekunst now. He now needs to go out and find somebody. But if you've got a guy like Elton Jenkins that we know is good enough, and he's just not playing up to his potential, that's when I get annoyed with the coaching staff. So that is kind of where I'm at right now with this team. There, I like a lot of our players. I know a lot of them can be upgraded, but I also know many of them are good enough. In other words, it's not an emergency that we need to replace this. In some cases, that might be the case. And, and I, I'll stand on the fact that as of right now, I think quarterback is one of those that it's just not good enough to win with. Hopefully that changes. But at this point, what I want out of Matt LaFleur and, and the coaching staff at large, but this is his responsibility. If, if, if it's not up to you to make sure directly that each player is ready, it's up to the offensive and defensive coordinators that you hired. And if it's not up to them, then it's under the position coaches that you hired. And if they are not getting your guys up to speed, somebody is responsible for that. And it's one thing if it's one guy and you say, okay, he's up playing video games all night, he's a D-bag. Whatever, that's his problem. But when you see it as a systemic issue across the team, that's when you tend to look a little bit more at the coaching staff and say, I don't exactly know what's going on, but it's your job to find out what it is and fix it. All I, ca- I just want to see g- getting the best out of these guys. If John Runyon has a good pass blocking day and a bad run blocking day, you got the best out of John Runyon because that's what he is. Same with Josh Myers. If you can get him to be a good pass blocker and suck at run blocking, I'm not mad at the coaches. I don't expect you to turn water into wine. If, if you've got a guy that can't do something, I don't expect you to magically make him do something. Some guys have limits. There's limits to what they can do. And I think NFL defensive tackles are better than Josh Myers when it comes to run you know, blocking, run defense, whatever. That's not every time, but it's consistent enough that he's at best average at run blocking. If you can give me that, I am satisfied. Give me Elton Jenkins being good at both, because I know he can be good at both. 
Give me Zach Tom being good at both, because I know he can be good at both. Rashid, I'm not worried about it. We'll see what Rashid is. I don't know what his ceiling is, but I don't have high expectations, and if he can't do it, I don't care, because I assume he's going to get replaced anyways. I don't want to see Kenny Clark at the bottom of the defensive grading list. I don't want to see that. And maybe that is on Kenny. I don't know. But is he is he just getting used too much because he's getting a little bit up in age? He is getting the most snaps on that defense aside from our safeties. Should we maybe be using less of him, especially since we loaded up on defensive tackles and maybe more of our edge rushers? Should we find some different personnel? Like, figure this out because he always, by midseason, really starts to fall off. There's a reason for that. All I want is to get the best out of these guys. That's it. Just if you can demonstrate to me that, you know what, I've got this thing at 10, this is the best I can get out of them, fine. Then I will shift my attention to Brian Gutekunst and say, you know what, this is ramped up as high as it can go. I'm seeing Jair at his best, I'm seeing Razul at his best, I'm seeing Savage at his best, I'm seeing Kenny. And I'm not saying every single game, but just generally I'm satisfied knowing that this is about what I expect from you. That's with good games and bad games, highs and lows, etc., etc. But overall, in the aggregate, when you look at it, this is about what I expect. Give me the best out of these guys, and if it's not good enough, then we need better players, period. But right now, we're just not getting the best out of this team, and I'm tired of it. Sorry. Nico, part two. Uh, yeah, I think you hung up on me, bro. What's yes, going on? Sorry, but yeah, dude. I mean, maybe uh, he's doing the best he can with the dumb-dumbs he's Coaching, I don't know, or maybe he's not relaying it to the players. I mean, you would hope by the time you make it through all the years of football in high school and college, and get drafted, you make a team that you would have some ability that, but even the pros have to be coached. I get it, you know. I know McCarthy was credited for fixing Rogers' swing or uh, swing, look at me. You just throw in motion to footwork. So, you know what? People still got coached, but I don't know, man. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't expect I'd know. If I knew, I'd be coaching somewhere. I just, I'm just going to watch the football and not freak out and jump off a cliff. There you go. And, uh, you know, we, we knew this was a potentially something that could happen where we would uh, kind of be kind of crappy. I mean, I sure believe it wouldn't be this crappy because uh, other than, well, no, it's just been a lot of changes last year. So, um you know, just gonna keep on watching the anchors and uh, hope that we don't have 20 years of crap. <laughs> I know we've been very fortunate since the last 30 years or so, but I just hope we can ride the ship eventually. And like I said, if this is just comes to fire, we burn it all down and build it in next year. And uh, that's all we can hope for. Hey, there's always the option where we can look at all the potential draft picks that'll make this, you know, undefeated. There's always. Brian, we always have the draft. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to go. You probably can hardly hear me. I'm driving down the road. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and if I do call back again, <laughs> uh, hopefully I won't say the same thing. Hey, so I uh, call back, though, and uh, sorry you have to do a podcast about this. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's all right. I feel like we're turning a corner slightly. It was it was getting pretty heated for a while, but I feel like things are things are coming around. Um, and yeah, I, I, piece of advice, learn to love the off season. Second piece of advice, learn to have more of a long-term vision of the team. Um, I know that it's hard to do that, especially when you're younger. I feel like as I get older, like five years is like freaking, I don't know, like a month. Like I, I just, it's five years, like whatever. It's no big deal. It'll be in no time. When I was, when I was like seven, a year was like 20 years it, it, it was 
it was a never end like a year a season it just time was so slow now it's like dude tomorrow's gonna be christmas it's crazy time goes so fast so if you tell me like yeah it's gonna be like three years like all right dope that's fine figure it out we got the draft in green bay coming up like that's gonna be great that's that's in like two months i think in like old people time which apparently i'm old now it's all right it's a bad year it happens happens to every team except the green bay packers and this literally, <laughs> I mean, potentially, we'll see how many wins we end up getting. This is probably going to be the worst year of my entire life. And I am pushing 40. So it's crazy to say out loud I'm pushing 40. I just turned 30, by the way. I mean, I'm pushing it a little bit. I'm going to be 37, but I just turned 30, dude. Like three years ago, I'm pretty sure. Freaking time, dude. Freaking time. Anyways, I'll reminisce on my old time, uh, my own time. Why don't we take a break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. You can support me for as little as $1 per month. So little you wouldn't even know it's a thing. Crazy, right? If you'd rather not do a month to month thing, Venmo is Packernet Podcast. Really appreciate all of your support. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. What's up, Ryan? It's Aaron from Eau Claire. Um, got done watching the game a few hours ago. Had some time to think about it. Um, just watched Jordan Love's press conference after the game. And um, I really liked his responses to the media, um, basically just taking accountability for things, but also 
talking with a lot of detail about each play, and um, I thought he played pretty well today. Uh, relatively low mistake football. Uh, obviously, the last play was intercepted, but um, I did think he definitely earned himself some more time for evaluation um, by his play today. Uh, obviously, he wasn't, uh, you know, dominant in terms of production, but I think with some of the chaos around him um, in terms of injuries and shifting people around and all that stuff, um, I thought he uh, protected the ball well, except for the last play. I thought he made some really good plays, some really good throws um, that were high-level plays. So um, I was encouraged by that. Um, but then I'm thinking we have bigger problems with the coaching staff. And um, I've always liked Matt LaFleur and never really – until this year, I kind of uh, thought maybe he was a little bit underrated and everything. I still think that could be true. I think he uh, – I'm a teacher, so I know that sometimes you can work with what you got and still not see the best results um, based on other factors or whatever. Like the um, students? So I'm not sure. I mean, they could pull out of this and get on fire and all of a sudden, um, you know, we start thinking more highly of the coaching staff. But I think at this point, you know, this I have a strong inclination that if the players start playing better and the team starts winning, we're going to have a stronger opinion of the coaching staff. I have I have that inclination as well. As far into the season, you've started to see some trends um, and the trends are really bad first halves and um honestly it's it's very disappointing because you see what they're capable of and i'm not sure why they can't start getting going to the third half and um so anyways uh that's my thoughts that about sums it up, man. That's uh, that's about it. I mean, obviously we're on slightly different wavelengths with the quarterback. Um, it wasn't, I will agree, it wasn't as bad as the Raider game. Um, it wasn't good. It was, like you said, it was mistake-free largely until the big mistake. But, you know, even that, I think it was largely just, yeah, it was, it was mistake-free because it was safe. You know, like the, well, a couple examples on tomorrow's podcast, which is just the first half. Um, but just taking the early check down when there's other options, right? We had a second and 12. The play was clearly designed to go to the Natavian Wicks. If he had waited and thrown it to him, I think he would have been open. Hard to know because he didn't wait for anything. Two seconds in, he just throws a three-yard pass to take it to third and nine rather than letting the play develop. Um, so it was relatively mistake-free, but I think Jordan just seems panicked. Like he wants to throw the quick check downs all the time. He's a lot of times not even waiting for the routes to develop. And one of the plays that I looked at, he goes through the progressions in a way that doesn't even make sense. Like it's not, he's not actually going through the progressions. He looks to his left where the tight ends are. He comes off of that in literally 0.2 seconds. 
Like the tight ends just came out of their stance. He comes off of it. Not nah, don't like it. Looks in the middle of the field, which is where Christian Watson's about to run a slant route, which is going to be open, um, and comes off that before Christian even comes out of his break and then just throws it into the flat to the running back. And again, Matt LaFleur catches crap for that because while well, this this offense lacks creativity. Okay, but if Jordan would have thrown the slant and we pick up eight yards instead of two yards, I'm guessing we wouldn't be complaining about the creativity because it's really not the creativity. It's just playing scared. So, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Daddy. (laughs) Don't say that. Snacks, man. What up, Snacks? Gosh. Dylan was... Dylan was open with me. He probably had about 10 to 15 yards that he could have corked off and then that could have been a decision if you wanted to kick it long or wanted to go for it. Man, I I hate that he heaved that up. I thought he actually was making really good decisions for the most part of the day, but ah, that one that one stung. Um and the the other thing is like I just can't I guess after Chicago I was I was feeling so excited. And then with the New Orleans come back, just because I think we all were kind of looking for a sign. And, you know, then they came back, pulled it out, and it was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. Right. Um, and now every game that we've had, I mean, we've been there, but it's just it's it's so hard for me to put a finger on it as to what it is. I mean, that first half of football, golly, that the offense, man, I, I just was it there and the defense was doing okay, but – they were kind of letting them slowly move things. It just doesn't, I don't know. And then, you know, injuries come through again. And, you know, on that, even on the last drive, I mean, Watson got hurt. That cost us a timeout. But he's on the neck. He's so fragile. Musgrave got knocked out, so he wasn't there. Um, they apparently decided to take Aaron Jones down. I mean, Dylan was playing great, and I did it. But, God, it's... It just sucks. That one sucks. It sucks. It stings. I actually thought the offensive line played pretty well. That was that was encouraging. But uh, anyway, that's it, brother. Hang in there. Yeah, I mean it. It was it was up and down. Um, the offensive line. I mean, there were in the first half there were more times where I had my jaw on the floor, saying, "Man, that was really good." Than I've seen all year. Um, but there were also just a, a cluster, mostly in the run game, of just looking at things going, what are you doing? You know, even even the uh, Dentavian Wicks end around, which everybody hates and wants to hate Matt LaFleur, it's just a missed block by Musgrave, ultimately, and, and DeGuara, although Musgrave was a much bigger one. I mean, if they just block, and DeGuara barely just needs to touch the guy, and he just he dives at him and just completely whiffs. Um, but if, if they could just block which Musgrave just had a fantastic... He and Tucker Craft had a, just a beautiful block on the play before. I think it was the one where um, Dylan ran around the outside and had like 10 yards or something. It was a really nice play to the outside. Shortly after Aaron Jones went to the outside, Musgrave and, and Kraft were just incredible. And, and uh, Christian Watson also, incredible blocking on there. And the next play, all we needed was for Musgrave to block. And that Dentavian Wicks thing, I mean, that could have gone for a long way. We needed two guys to block, and that's it. And they both failed, and so he just got lit up after a yard. You know, we can say it's bad scheme, or we can just say if you just freaking do your job. And that's that's the thing. Like, every play where you can, and I know it sounds intuitive, 
But every play where guys just do what they're supposed to do, it's not just that it works. I mean, these are like 14-yard plays. Every time the Romeo Dobbs screen, and even on that, Josh Myers screwed up, and it would have been even a bigger play if he hadn't done that, potentially a touchdown. He, he only had to make one guy miss. Um, but even then, like we had a handful of guys, you know, let's say seven out of eight or five out of six or whatever that you depend on on a given play to do what you need to do. Everybody more or less did their job and you get these big plays. But, you know, and Matt LaFleur has even alluded to it. It's, it's just consistently somebody's doing something wrong consistently there's just and it's not something like well then stop doing that now these are basic things if you're a tight end you have to run routes you have to block if you're an offensive lineman you have to pass block you have to run block sometimes you have to pull sometimes you have to double team sometimes you got to go mano y mano there's no situation where you know we can pretend we, we can't haul 30 guys out there and let's and say let's just double team everybody and that's how we'll win that's not how this works so we just need we need more consistency we just need guys to freaking step up and just just do just work as a team, you know? If they can just do what they need to do, we're going to win games. And again, I can't promise that we would be a top 10 team, but I can tell you we're going to start beating up on some of these bad teams. But we got to get these guys to come together and just figure out what the heck they're doing cuz every single play is like, "What are you doing? What are you doing now? Why are you over there? What is that?" It's just, it gets to be exhausting. Hey, Ryan. Hey. It's Joe, the janitor. What's up, man? Connecticut. <clears throat> All right. So it's um, about 5 a.m. Monday morning. Um, another uh, losing Monday. Um, and I just wanted to say I did have time to sleep on it. And, um, I still feel the same I did last night. Um, our team is horrible. Uh, and if we played the Bears right now, they would beat us. It, I bet Carolina would beat us too. Um, and it's just sad. Uh, but I, uh, yesterday, a couple, a few too many beers, so, you know. I just wanted to be able to sleep on it and call back and give my honest opinion again and, and just say that uh, our team sucks. And um, it's not just Jordan Love that's the problem. I'm not going to blame it all on coaching. Jordan Love sucks. But, like, uh, I definitely saw a stat recently that when um, Aaron Jones touches the ball 15 times or more, our overall record is 35 and 2. Yep, 35 and 2. I didn't fact check it, but it I sounds legit. Because every time Aaron Rock, Aaron Jones carries the ball, we seem to win. Why Why did they only let him carry the ball eight times yesterday? He's hurt. Seemed like he was running pretty good to me. No, eight carries, 35 yards. So. I don't know who's making these decisions. Not Training staff, coach problem, doctor. It's all around problems. And Jordan Love is a problem. So, hopefully uh, you have a better day than I'm going to have today. Show them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously when, when A.J. Dillon has twice the amount of carries as Aaron Jones, it's because they are 
they still are worried a little bit about his injury and don't want to rush him back. And yeah, I mean, the way we're playing right now, it's possible we lose to the Bears and to the Panthers and everything else. It's possible we beat them. It's possible we get better and start beating. I mean, we could beat the Minnesota Vikings. Who knows? We're not going to be favorites, but we were favorites in a lot of these games that we lost. I mean, heck, who, who would have thought two weeks ago that the Vikings had any chance whatsoever against the San Francisco 49ers? 49ers, again, one of the most dominant teams I have ever seen in terms of just what they're doing to everybody. And now they're on a two-game losing streak with a quarterback that looks like he is imploding i mean i i just saw on twitter now everybody's comparing brock purdy to jordan love and i don't know if they're doing that to try to make jordan love look good or to make brock purdy look bad i don't know but i'm sure there is some level of correlation between brock purdy really starting to crack and the 49ers falling off a cliff here but um you know we'll 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 just play it by ear i don't know how many games we're going to win i understand the mentality of the way we're playing right now we can't beat anybody um I think it's unlikely we don't win any more games, but it's possible. I mean, just just based on chance, even if we're worse than everybody in, in football, things happen, you know, and, and certainly there's enough talent. And again, I expect Jordan to have a good day one of these days. Um, he still hasn't yet, at least not via PFF's uh, grading, not by my standard or what I've seen. So, uh, but I expect that to happen, and I expect there to be explosive days and explosive plays, and Aaron Jones will be getting more snaps, although at this rate, we're not even going to have a football team with all the injuries, uh, so we'll see how that goes. But I get what you're saying, and I get the frustration, and yeah, I think it would be better if we just kind of accept the team for what it is, and um, what is that phrase? Hope for the best, expect the worst kind of thing? It's It's kind of probably a decent place to be. Hey, Ryan, this is Jim from Arkansas. What's up, man? Hey, I got two things for you I want you to discuss a little bit. Maybe. Okay. Uh, the first thing is Aaron Jones. That guy is just simply amazing. I mean, every time he touches the ball, even when there's like five guys around him ready to tackle him, he somehow sees a hole and, and makes positive yards. It's like a breath of fresh air. When you watch him run, it's just like, oh. It's like I can breathe again. It's like, oh, thank you, Aaron. You're you're just wonderful. <laughs> I love that man. I mean, I, I understand early in his career that the Packers wanted to save him and didn't want to, you know, overload him. But, I mean, man, he's at the end of his career. He's the best player on our team. And uh, I don't know what we're saving him for. I mean, he's not going to be here too much longer, I wouldn't expect. And I doubt we're making the playoffs. So, I mean, let's put the ball in that man's hands and see what he can do. I mean, we could ride him. I mean, I think the fact that we saw Emmanuel Wilson as much as we did kind of tells us that it was an injury thing. Um, Generally, Emmanuel Wilson wouldn't be taking nearly as many snaps, and usually it would be role reversed where Aaron Jones would have gotten the 15 snaps and A.J. Dillon would have gotten the 8. And then they both maybe would have split most of the Emmanuel Wilson stuff. So, again, I think... It was a trio that was more heavy Dylan because Aaron Jones is still, they're still being cautious with his hamstring because they don't want him out another three, four, five weeks. And have a good season just on Aaron Jones back. And the second thing is Jordan Love. You know, the beginning of the season, he was so calm and collected. And I mean, he seemed to be making all the right decisions. And, you know, he would overthrow or underthrow a pass once in a while, but. I mean, his decision-making was just spot on. These last few weeks, it's completely the opposite. It seems like he can't make a good decision to save his life. And those couple of uh, overthrows or underthrows are pretty much every pass now. Um, 
I just don't understand how he can go from looking so good at the beginning of the season and, you know, a few mistakes here and there, but, I mean, he, he really looked good. He looked like he was going to have a promising career, and it just seems to be all over with now. I mean, can, you think you can turn this around? I mean, I know you've been down on him on your on your podcast, but, uh, I mean, I still have some faith that he can turn it around, but I just, I just don't know how. I mean, it just seems so bad now. I just kind of wanted to get your taste. Thanks, Ryan. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like I said, can he? Yes. But with every day that passes, it becomes less likely in my mind. And so my stance is essentially, it's not my job to have belief in somebody that has not demonstrated anything. If Jordan Love would like, and maybe he doesn't care, and I don't care if he cares, if he would like people to have a belief in what he's able to do, he needs to demonstrate that. Show me something. Show me anything. Give me a reason to believe. Give me a good game. Give me one good first half this entire year. Give me something. And if you're not going to give me something, then I'm not going to believe. That's that's where I'm at. Can it happen? Yes. Yes. And I could win the lottery and can get struck by lightning twice. I actually went to school with a guy that that happened to. It is possible. Things can happen. Miracles can happen. But at this point, I'll just believe it when I see it, and that's it. Yeah, I couldn't even call yesterday after the game. So pissed. This is Corey from Ohio. What's up? Man, I'll tell you what. Love's not it. He just can't get anything going. I watched numerous times in that game. Players wide open. Seen Jaden Reed a couple times wide open. Watson was open a couple times. He throws a little dunk pass, or he throws to somebody double covered down the field. He's got the worst stats of anybody throwing the beat ball. And let's face it, Jared Goff and Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo run this style of offense and run it well. Love can't even manage it decently. Dude's trash. We need to get him out of there. I don't see any reason that this season slipped completely out of the way why we don't put Clifford in, at least see what he can do. If he shows more promise, why not? I mean, hell, that's what it's about, it's winning. If Love can't do it, give Clifford a shot. If neither can do it, we know we need to draft a quarterback. And no matter what the offensive line stats may say, the eye test tells you they suck. We can't create no holes for our running backs. Can't pass block worth a shit. I'm sorry, but they don't look that good either. The defense gives up the Broncos' first, second half opening touchdown. Of course, they always give up first for something. This team just going downhill real fast. I would, you know, say I have optimism, but I really don't at this point. So I guess go, Pat, go. If they can. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. Um, and the offensive line has been a bit of a disappointment. Again, I, I've, I've heard a lot of calls lately of, I don't want to hear the stats. I'm just telling you what it is. I understand the frustration with the seemingly bad pass blocking, but th- there's a difference between are they struggling to pass block to my standards and how are they pass blocking compared to the rest of the league. And so what I'm telling you is through this moment in time right now, Jordan Love is still the second least pressured quarterback in the entire NFL aside from Tua Tungavailoa. 28.5% of the time he gets pressured. That's it. The median here, like right in the middle, 
I guess you could say. Average, if it didn't say that, and hit the button on accident. 35.6%. That's Jalen Hurts, who is 16th. And then number one now is no longer Justin Fields. It's Daniel Jones, pressured at 44.9%. I'm not sure if Love has ever seen that, much less had that consistently throughout a season. So I understand the frustration. But again, there is a difference between I want better because I want better and setting realistic expectations which need to be set based on what the league is doing. And so if the league is is sitting at about 35% is normal for a quarterback to see some level of pressure, and Jordan Love is sitting at 28.5%, which is unbelievably low, that still feels like a lot. I mean, that's more than one in every four times he drops back. He's under pressure. And as you're watching that as a fan, you're like, this is ridiculous. He's constantly under pressure. It's never going to get better than that. You're not going to see a quarterback that's under pressure 10% of the time or 5% of the time. That's that's not a thing. It's never going to be a thing. You can draft as many offensive linemen as you want. It's never, ever, 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 ever going to be a thing. So when I say they're doing a good job pass blocking, I don't mean Jordan is never under pressure. I mean, he's under pressure 28.5% of the time, and that is second lowest in the NFL, and that is, to say it's acceptable, is a massive understatement. Jordan Love ranks 28th in sacks. He's been sacked 10 times. Tua, Baker, Pat Mahomes, and Jimmy Garoppolo have less sacks than Tua, or than uh, than Jordan. Um, again, if we're kind of looking median, it's Kirk Cousins at 15 sacks. Number one right now, <laughs> which is a massive outlier, but Sam Howell has been sacked 40 times. If you look at the second highest, Daniel Jones is 28 times. That's three times as many as Jordan has had. The number one guy, Sam Howell, has been sacked four times as many. He's seen the third least amount of pressures at 61. And the only guys that are less than him are Deshaun Watson with 49, who's played four games, and Jimmy Garoppolo, who's played five games, compared to Jordan Love's six. So, yes, there's some frustration with the offensive line. For me, it's largely the run blocking. And although the pass blocking can struggle at times, it is still by far one of the best at making sure the quarterback does not see pressure. And no, it's not because the ball comes out really quickly and it's just Jordan protecting himself and scheme or whatever. He ranks, uh, let's see, he's tied for 17th in time to throw, 2.75 seconds. So he's right in the middle as far as how long he holds onto the ball. There's only, other, there's only one other variable that I'm aware of in keeping the quarterback clean. Number one is time to throw. Number two is blocking for the guy. So I understand the eye test, and I understand the eye test says I see pressure all the time. What I'm saying to you is that if you watch the other team, the, they all fail the eye test because they're all under pressure a lot. Uh, why don't we take our final break? We'll get back to another call from Corey. Ryan, what up? It's Corey from Ohio again. What's up, Mike? I've been listening to a bunch of people on the podcast calling in. Listen, I know we got a lot of issues. You know, there's a lot of times people aren't doing stuff right, or the offensive line, you know, that we're really bad with blocking on screen passes and stuff like that. That stuff ain't a scheme problem. You can't execute a screen pass because you can't get your linemen or your receivers to block nobody. It has nothing to do with scheme. And... If anybody paid attention to that game the other night, there was quite a few times when I seen guys open, including the last drive of the game. Yeah, let, let me let me put this a different way because I've I've said this a hundred different times, but let me I thought of a different way. If you're 
evaluation of scheme comes down to how well it's executed, you're not evaluating scheme. That's not an evaluation of scheme. That's an evaluation of um, execution. That's an evaluation of the result. And it's the result or the execution that you don't like. So, like, like you said, we can't say we don't like screen passes. That doesn't even make sense. The, the only thing you could possibly say is schematically that's a bad idea based on the players that we have. But again, that argument doesn't work because screens are about as basic as you can get. And by the way, there's, there's the most basic plays in the world that we're not executing either. So, again, if you're evaluating the result, you're not evaluating the scheme. Second to last play, A.J. Dillon, wide open. Didn't throw it to him. The last play of the game, Jaden Reed, was open over the middle, and he threw it to somebody else. And you can't say, oh, well, even if he wasn't quite at the first down marker, we are going to go four down territory anyway or kick a field goal. Listen, anybody who watches football or claims they know football would tell you it's Jordan Love. He sucks. He's 0 for 3 with one interception on throws of 20 or more air yards. And six of 27, 22%, with zero TDs and three picks on those throws in the season. He ranks 22nd in passing yards, 28th in QB rating, and is tied for second in interceptions with seven. He heaved that interception into double coverage. Don't tell me it's not Jordan Love. C.J. Stroud, a rookie, is outplaying him. Bryce Young is outplaying him. Kenny Pickett is outplaying him. Hell, Justin Fields, the guy we were bashing and making fun of in Chicago, was outplaying him. And so did the guy who just played for Chicago this weekend, who, mind you, they crushed and put up 30 on the Raiders. And we could score only 13. Don't tell me it's not Jordan Love. He's a bum. Let's see Clifford the Big Red Dog, see what he can do. Because Love is full of hate, and he sucks. Wait, what? Go Pack Go! Did you say Love is full of hate? Clifford the Big Go! All right, fair enough. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't want to start... uh defaming the man's character or anything, but I, I certainly am not satisfied with what we've seen from Jordan Love so far. Um, he is 6 of 26 on uh, passes that have traveled 20 yards. So it's obviously not the best. Zero touchdowns, three interceptions. If we look at just the value here, um, points earned per play, he ranks 26th. This is passes that traveled 20 yards, not 20-yard completions, because that could be a 5-yard pass where they run. This is 20 air yards. Points earned per play, 26th. Points above average per play, negative 3.88, 26th. Below him is Zach Wilson, Kenny Pickett, Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, and Mac Jones. And yes, Joe Burrow, I get it, but remember, he started off horribly. He might still be bad, I don't know. But I don't want to hear the you know, oh, Joe Burrow, no, he's been playing like crap. If we look at EPA, he ranks 29th. Positive play percentage, he ranks 29th. Points above replacement, 28th. Boom percentage, he ranks 29th. Bust percentage, 24th. 
It's not great news. And you say, okay, well, that's just one problem. I mean, under 20 yards, though, he's looked really good. Well, if we look at his accuracy, his catchable pass percentage on passes under 20 yards, so negative 20 through 19, he ranks 25th. On target passes, he ranks 18th. Adjusted net yards per attempt, 14th. The IQR rating, he ranks 15th. Pressure percentage, 26.6%. It is the lowest in the entire NFL, even below Tua. If you look at his points earned per play, he ranks 27th. Look at his points above average per play, he ranks 25th. Points above replacement, 27th. Boom percentage is 10th, so that's kind of good. That's probably all the touchdowns. And bust percentage is 10th. So that's, you know, the amount of good plays as a percentage, which is makes sense. That's why he gets those high EPA games. A low amount of throws with a high percentage of touchdowns, so there's more boom plays, and there's been less bust plays, which is great, but everything else is still bad, even under 20 yards. So it's not just, man, if we, you know, figure out the downfield accuracy, we're fine. No, it's still really bad. The accuracy is bad. The production is bad. Everything's bad. Brian. Kyle from Madison. What's up? What's up, man? I must have slept all, all, slept all weekend, because it's, it's Monday today, and I had a horrible nightmare. <laughs> about the Packers yesterday, and then I realized, nope, that in fact happened. Oh, man. Welcome to your week. It's going to suck. Um, I was just listening to some of the kind of the first half and a little bit of the second half of the Packers after after dark call-in show. It's interesting to listen to everybody go through their feelings. You know, and I think, like, I have a call in there, too, and I'm pretty charged up. But you got to remember, too, um, we do need a space for irrational anger, <laughs> you know, too. So, I mean, you don't have to take it so personally because, I mean, there's a place for it. Like, when we are hurting as fans, you know, and there, there's really nowhere to channel that hurt and that, like, anger, and sometimes you got to just call in and make a... This is the place for irrational anger. <laughs> That's what the show's all about, man. Don't unleash it on the guy at the bar or your kids who don't want to hear it. Just call into the show and let it out. A rant, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that's okay. Uh, people can just have crazy, irrational views, especially, you know, a few minutes after the game. Uh, I mean, my take yesterday was, you know, I didn't put all the blame on Love. Uh, he didn't play great. But he didn't play abysmal, you know, again, not being able to watch it again. Um, I thought he did some good things, and I, you know, I put a lot on the line. I should say on the blocking itself, and then on just brutally timed penalties. Um, you know, if if Love throwing that pick is the, is reason 1A, which again, I'm not sure it is, but let's say that's 1A, because that's 100% you lose, you throw that, 1B is the Elton Jenkins penalty, you know? I mean, as soon as that happened on the on the play before, I knew we were losing that game. I 100% I would have bet everything I owned on it. You know, it's, it's so that's maybe, that's 95% we lose, whereas the interception's 100. But I don't know. I just knew Love was going to chuck it there because I just, I could feel everything slipping away. You know, it's like he gets it the third and two, the penalty, we move back to second and 20. There was just a terrible throw to Watson, and then the injury rattles everybody. And then it's like, I don't know, I can just feel it felt like desperation time, even though it wasn't with the Hollywood was playing out. 
Um, and like I said, I didn't really see anything under the knee, underneath except for maybe something six to eight yards down. So I'll have to look at that again. But it's a rough Monday. I don't think anybody's got a lot of answers. I think there's an awful lot of questions right now. And uh, I'll call back and sum this up. Yeah, let's just do that. We'll do that right now. Hey, Kyle, again. Yeah, just continuing that point. I mean, there's a lot more questions than there are answers. I think for me, the most astonishing things are how players that, even the players we know are good players. Like, we've seen them over, like, several years be good players. They're not good players anymore. Right. Um, for some reason. And, you know, you throw in the, just basically the incredible injuries this year. I don't know that I've ever seen this backers, and not that I can recall. Um, this is just an incredible amount of injuries yeah, and really wild. bad ones and to really good players. But the players that are good that are still there just aren't playing good. And I think the defense, I, I, I can understand, like I understand both sides of the defense argument. Like they didn't allow enough points. Like you should win games with the amount of points that they are allowing. So I understand that camp, but then I also understand like they're playing such uncomplimentary defensive football sometimes too. What I mean by that is like, just allowing, like, the big points before the half. And, of course, allowing, you know, the, the go-ahead field goal there. Like, if they could just pick different spots to tighten up, it'd be such a better team. So I, I understand both sides of that. Um, and then, you know, as far as, like, Love versus LaFleur, like, I don't I don't really care. I don't think that's really an argument. Like, they're both on the team. Um, but the Packers offense, like, writ large, Love and LaFleur and everybody else cannot spot teams an entire half and then expect to win. I don't care who your quarterback is at all. I don't care. You can't do that. Like, there's just, like, nobody. Who's going to come in outside of, like, Patrick Mahomes and win all these games for you if you're just spotting NFL offenses an entire half against you? You know, it's it's going to end like this nine and a half. Well, you're not spotting if you have a better quarterback. That's the point. But, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, if no quarterback's going to win just in a half. Well, I shouldn't say no quarterback because they've all been close, so somebody probably comes in and wins it anyways. But, I mean, yeah, that's why are we spotting them a half is the question. Times out of ten. Um, and so, like, okay, are we, if, we're, if we think Love's not the guy, like, who are you going to put in there? I can't imagine any quarterback going in there and being successful the way this is, right? So I don't know who that's an indictment of. I get the coaching critique. Um, like, I know we didn't want to get into the play calling thing, right? So I get the coaching critique because clearly the team just, I don't know, something's off here. Right. Um, and it, it seems like it just makes evaluation really hard, which for me is the most frustrating exactly. part of the season so far. It's like, I don't feel like I'm getting a good evaluation of a lot of players that I was really hoping at a minimum that's what we would be getting this year. Right. Um, now if you tell me that's all the quarterback, uh, okay. You know, I don't believe that right now. I think he's not playing well. I just think, like, everybody's making freaking these horrible mistakes at the worst time. And it's just, it just destroys our whole freaking team. So it'll be an interesting week. Yeah, it's never been just the quarterback, but the quarterback has been an anchor the entire year, dragging the team down. I mean, that's that's been just very evident, at least to me. Um the offensive line has made mistakes. I'm sure the coaching staff has made mistakes. Everybody's made mistakes. That's true of every single football player and every single coach that's in the NFL right now. Um, but let me say this without repeating myself 10,000 times. 
because I've kind of stated that already. I was accused of uh, kind of letting the defense off the hook a little bit. And um, I don't mean to say that the defense has been great. Um, Mr. Numberman called me out, and I, I knew he would because I, I a lot of times I'll use shorthand because it's easier to just find, like, points against. And um, so i kind of just been using that, and I knew at some point he was going to call me out for that because points against is a stupid stat. Uh, it's, it's somewhat irrelevant um, because your competition matters. And the fact of the matter is the teams that we've gone up against have had better defenses than they've had offenses. We've gone against some of the worst offenses in football. So what do you do? You look at something like DVOA. So for those of you who are looking for for some blood against these defense, the defense, I got some uh, real juicy stuff for you. According to DVOA, which adjusts for the competition, they have our offense ranked 17th and our defense ranked 27th. So there you go. There's your... There's your uh, <laughs> some red meat for the anti-defense, anti-Joe Barry crowd. Um, I'm not trying to defend the defense in any way. It just hasn't been my focus. Um, you know, we, we could easily win these games if the offense was doing a better job. But again, to be very clear what this is saying, first of all, the they have the offense as being 3.8% worse than an average offense. Now that is for the entire season, and I'll get into the, the Dave, which looks more recently. Um they have the defense as 8.5% worse than an average defense. And again, you say, how is that possible? Look at the scores. Because it's not a matter of how good of a job you're doing. It's a matter of how good of a job you're doing against expectations. So, for example, if you went up against a team and they're scoring an average of 15 points and you allow 19, you say, well, they only allowed 19, that's good. In the NFL, 19 points is great. Right, but you did worse than what most NFL defenses have been doing to this team. So according to that metric, the defense ranks 27th right now. And then you say, well, what about looking at Dave, which kind of weights it a little bit more toward the recent, which obviously the defense seems better and the offense seems worse. Well, it's actually both are slightly better. Um, The offense goes from 17th to 16th. The defense goes from 27th to 22nd. So better, but still they have the offense as being 1.4% worse than average and the defense being 3.6% worse than average. In order to be a top 10 defense, which is what Jacksonville is, the 10th best defense according to this, you need to be 4.5% better than average. And they are right now, according to this, 3.6% worse, sandwiched between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Houston Texans. Overall, they have the Packers ranked 22nd. Now, for the entire season, somehow this gets worse. They actually have the Packers ranked 25th, with being only better than the Chicago Bears, Washington Commanders, Arizona, Denver, uh, Raiders, Giants, Carolina. So, and and again, I'm sure we're f- plummeting every single week. But as of right now, according to DVOA, 25th with a worse defense than offense. So there you go. Enjoy. Anyways, I'm going to leave you guys with that. Thank you all for your calls. We still got uh, 24 more to go, so we're. I'm not saying don't call in. Keep them coming. It just might be a little bit of a while before I can get to you, but um, we'll rip through these as fast as possible. Otherwise, have a good rest of your night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.